Welcome listeners, this is Gary Beam welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 73. That which is known as LL Research is a non-profit organization that is dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. Towards this end, we have two websites, the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each of our podcasts, uh, we generally try to respond to questions sent from spiritual seekers like you. Our panel consists of the in- inestimable... I shouldn't have tried to say that word. <laughs> inestimable. Inestimable. Thank you. I really needed a lifesaver on that one. <laughs> Jim McCarty, Austin Bridges, and myself, each of us a devoted student of the Law of One, and worthy of other positive adjectives, I'm sure. Your questions allow us to explore the Law of One and related matters of metaphysical interest. We hope only to offer a resource that enhances your own seeking process, so please know that our replies are not the final word on these subjects. We ask each who listens to exercise their own discernment and be sensitive to their own resonance in determining what is true for them. If you'd like to submit a question for the show, please do so. Our humble podcast is runs on your questions. You may either send us an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Gary Bean. We are starting a new episode of our bi-weekly somewhat podcast in the now um jim mccarty austin bridges are you guys ready for this podcast yes indeed i think i am all right we have a very very simple but very good question and this question is one that in all my years of working with the law of one i have run countless keyword searches and combinations thereof but i don't think i've ever gone hunting for this one and it's so simple and it's so fundamental that one would think I would have had to have searched it before, but I didn't. And so I'm very grateful to Juan for sending in this question because it it sent me down a road I hadn't been before, and it was very enlightening. And the question is simple. As I mentioned, it goes, what does it mean to be and not do? And there was a particular quote that inspired Juan to send in this question, um, I'm tired of hearing my own voice. Jim, do you have the quote in front of you? Uh, no, I don't. Don't. <laughs> How about Austin? <laughs> um, I could in like five seconds. Yeah, I've got it in front of me. How about, I'd like to hear one of you guys. Okay. One second. And uh, as I'm pulling it up, to Juan's credit, I did um, shorten and simplify his actual question. Uh, for the sake of discussion, his, what he sent in was a little bit more specific than this, but I think that in this discussion it will get covered, hopefully. So, the quote, which I actually found some discrepancies in the date, um, supposedly from March 25th, 2001, but might not be. It's somewhere in March 2001, so you can look for it in there. And it goes, uh, you are here as awakened beings to be, not to do. This is a terrifically difficult concept to receive within the context of incarnated life because life as you know it, as you experience it, 
as the culture teaches you to experience it, is about doing. You were taught to value yourself as a worker, as a producer, and as an accomplisher of deeds. They may be many different kinds of deeds, but at the next gathering to which you go, you will be asked not, who are you, but what do you do? And you will be valued by many people according to how that answer goes. And yet we say to you that you are not here primarily as a doer, but as an essence. In the energetic or metaphysical sense, each of you is a field of energy. Now this energy is not simple. Each of you has, as a core vibration, the one great original thought. Each of you at the core is the creator. Indeed, the basic goal of evolution is to come once again into full vibratory congruency with the one original thought, that is the Logos. This Logos could be described as love, and yet that word has been so sullied by being used for different kinds of passion and emotion and devotion that it is inadequate at the heart to express the fullness of that quality that is creative and divine love. Thank you very much. So my first and most important question for you guys is would you go to a party ever and ask someone who they are? <laughs> No, because I think that would probably throw people off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be um, kind of weird for me. I would love to actually do it sometime, uh, meeting a random person and asking them, who are you? Typically, that means like, what is your name? So yeah. they'd be like, hi, I'm John. And you're like, okay, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I'm John. Yeah. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, I think you put the emphasis on our... Um, actually, my first question um, to help us collectively explore Juan's question is, can you guys speak to what being is in any sense? I guess I should <laughs> I should name you entities. How about Jim? Well, uh, I believe that beingness for each of us is the closest approximation that we can make towards allowing the creator to become manifested in our life experience. We're always seeking in some way to open ourselves to more of expression of the infinite nature of the creator's love and light. So I think that would be my uh, way of looking at what being is and how we, why we might want to um, focus more on it than we do doing, because doing seems to be the way things are, <laughs> a, uh, default setting. It's one way to describe America, especially in the Western world. <clears throat> um, Austin, what do you think about being? It's difficult for me to separate it individually from doing because it's sort of this contrast that helps me understand the two, especially when they're put uh, opposed to each other like Kuo does here. You do one but not the other. So um, I don't really have a concept of just being that I can talk about without the full question of what it means to do one but not the other. So do you want me to go down that road? 
Uh, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I, and I do think that uh, framing things in this way can be confusing, but I think there's a purpose for why Kuo and many other spiritual teachings, I think, talk about being instead of doing. Even though um, I don't think that if you were looking at somebody who was actually being, it would seem like they were just doing nothing. I think from an outside perspective, that a person who is being isn't just sitting around and it doesn't look like they're doing nothing. I think that can sometimes be a hurdle to get past in thinking about these things. So I generally understand the statement um, more as a relationship to ourselves and uh, how we um, relate to our essence, as Kuo put it. So I understand the concept of of being, not to imply that there's this lack of activity or that there is no doing, but rather this recognition of that what we are doing is inseparable from who we are. And the more that we come to know ourselves and accept ourselves, the typical motivations and distortions around what we are doing falls away and what we become is a more genuine expression of ourselves. And so we don't necessarily stop doing, our bodies don't stop moving and we don't stop acting in service, but that action in service is more of a reflection of our true selves that we have come to know and come to relate to in that core vibration that Kuo is talking about in that quote. And I think that is essentially what being means in this context is not necessarily um, a state that we are in, but a relationship to ourselves and how that informs how we act. Relationship to ourselves. Yeah, all three of you hit on a uh, thread that was occurring to – did I say all three? Yes. All <laughs> I'm assuming you're including Juan here maybe. <laughs> uh, both of you hit on a, a thread that was occurring to me as well. And uh, like Jim was describing being as uh, the manifestation of the creator in your life and you, Austin, were describing it as a genuine expression and um, of the true self essentially genuine, true, the creator. And there's a certain uh, authenticity one associ associates with being. Uh, it, the being is the abode of the true identity of the self, one might say. Um, I started thinking about this and I did a keyword search on beingness in the law of one. And I began to see that beingness, as Ra uses it, is rather synonymous with existence. And in philosophy, the study of being would be ontology. And I'm going to award myself some bonus points for using that big word today. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so being as existence seems to... As it makes sense in the law of one, I'll um, quote a few choice nuggets regarding that. Um, Ra calls the Ra says that the the, so, the social grouping has a social beingness. They say that the next quantum or octave of beingness 
<clears throat> the next octave beyond our own has a, an, a tangible, I don't know if that's the word, an existence. I'm not going to try to mine that word any further. They say that when they're speaking of the archetypes, they say that the archetypal mind contains the material which it pleased the Logos to offer as refinements to the great cosmic beingness. And they're talking about men in black, which <laughs> sets, sheds some light on this question. They say that the men in black are a thought form type of entity which have some beingness to their makeup. So substance is another word that comes to mind. Men in black have some existence, some substance, some tangibility or form, something that can be identified that is real on their particular level, if that makes sense. And Ra talks about in Western literature of the mystics, you'll hear a phrase called the ground of being, which implies that if you dig down deep enough, you get to the very basement level, the foundation, the I can't go any deeper because I've reached the bottom or the beginning, the ground of being. And I think this is what Ra is speaking of in 27.7 when they say, there is no difference, potential or kinetic, in unity. The basic rhythms of intelligent infinity are totally without distortion of any kind. The rhythms are clothed in mystery, for they are being itself. From this undistorted unity, however, appears a potential in relation to intelligent energy. For they are being itself is what Ra says of the intelligent infinity before it becomes potential or kinetic, before it manifests into the many, before there's any polarity or universes or octaves. That is original, pure, undistorted being. And that is also synonymous with mystery because no amount of conception or insight or experience penetrates deeper than that. What is being, does being arise out of something? Being ultimately is only one thing. So there's nothing against which to compare it or contrast it. So how do you know being? It is just being clothed in mystery. <clears throat> and Ra also indicates, and when I started contemplating this question, and I'm going to get back to another question after this these couple thoughts here, I was thinking that, well, being must be stillness because if doing is some kind of activity, then doing is motion and being must be being still, non-movement, maybe even the void, the witness, the, the seeming empty spaciousness out of which the manifest world arises. But Ra does indicate, does link vibration with being too. They say, um, spiritual mass is that which begins to attract the outmoving and ongoing vibratory oscillations of beingness into the gravity. And they go on. <clears throat> and then they say about working with the energy centers. They say, while it is the primary priority to activate or unblock each energy center, it is also a primary priority at that point to begin to refine the balances between the energies so that each tone of the chord of total vibratory beingness resonates in clarity, tune, and harmony with each other energy. So we have existence, 
as beingness, as being, but we also have one's vibratory state. Um, you, one learns in the raw material that all is vibration. The second the, the first distortion was born, or maybe the second the third distortion was born, somewhere in the cosmic beginning, when the one becomes many, vibration begins, and the photon is the first being that comes into that manifestation. And everything in the universe is in motion, is in this vibration, and that vibration is beingness too. But the Confederation draws a distinction between doing and being, between existing and our activities. Is there any way that we can further, Austin was um, heading down this road, is there any way we can further delineate why doing is this different category from being? Austin, got any ideas? <laughs> yeah, I stopped myself before going fully down that road. Um, and I think, thankfully, maybe my conceptualization will be a little bit different from both of yours, because I was talking about this idea of being and doing being a a relationship to the self rather than, you know, a state of activity that we are in. And so you were talking about being... Uh, being this primal thing in the cosmos, basically, but also something that um, uh, is maybe less than primal, but like within those first three distortions. Anyways, uh, Kuo said in their quote, <laughs> each of you has as a core vibration uh, the one original thought. Each of you at the core is the creator. Indeed, the basic goal of evolution is to come once again into full vibratory congruency with the ori one original thought that is the Logos. This Logos could be described as love. So that's from the quote that Juan shared. Um, Ra also says, the heart of the discipline of the personality is threefold. One, know yourself. Two, accept yourself. Three, become the creator. And that is... a uh, succinct way of talking about the path of evolution that um, Kuo is talking about, the basic goal of evolution, as they say. So I imagine that becoming the creator isn't a lack of activity. So if we think about doing as activity, then I don't think that this necessarily holds up because imagine the um, greatest service oriented people that you can think of and maybe some of them uh sat around and <laughs> did basically nothing but um most of them i think dedicated themselves to a life of active service further on in that quote um ross says that the third step which is become the creator is that step which when accomplished renders one the most humble servant of all transparent in personality and completely able to know and accept other selves. And so doing here, I don't think is, again, this lack of activity, but a relationship to what we are doing and where it is coming from. Doing, I think, is sort of this um, compensation for this lack of understanding ourselves and understanding mm. the world around us. I think that's what they're referring to when doing. And it is this um, 
a lack of those first two steps that Ra talks about, knowing the self and accepting the self. If we don't fully know our motivations for what we're doing, I think we make a lot of uh, unconscious decisions about what we do. And even if there are things that we do in service, we're motivated by um, something that is hidden to ourselves and that we haven't fully explored yet. And I think that sort of relationship to ourselves in this unknown, unaccepted aspect is what Kuo and other spiritual teachers talk about when they talk about doing rather than being. Um, and then once we question our motivations, once we try to know ourselves and what we're doing, it doesn't mean stop trying to act in service. But when you are acting and it seems like there's an emotional charge behind it, if um, there is something behind it that uh, feels hidden to you, um, if you aren't sure why you're doing what you're doing, but you feel a compulsion to do so, I think going down that path and asking ourselves, why are we doing this? Where is this coming from? That is that first step of knowing yourself. And in doing so, we will discover the distortions that are informing what we do. And um, they will, through balancing or through simple shedding awareness and love on them, they'll fall away. And then we will sort of come into congruency with that core basic vibration that Kuo was talking about. And then our activity is a product of being rather than what they would call doing. So that's essentially how I view doing as sort of this relationship to what we are doing as an activity. So... <clears throat> Before I ask Jim just to recap for a second and not, of course, do the thoughts justice, but doing on the level that the Confederation is describing as distinct from being is doing that arises out of um, lack of self-understanding. Yeah, essentially that self-understanding is naturally the path of spiritual evolution. And deepened self-understanding necessarily yields deeper conscious beingness, um, merging into the being, becoming consciously present of beingness and action that arises out of that understanding um, doesn't necessarily move into the category of doing. Right, yeah. I think that doing is sort of a stand-in for distorted doing, I guess. Yeah, I love the word compensation that you used earlier too. Jim, how about you on this topic of doingness? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that it's necessary for us to do things in order to be spiritual seekers because we have energy centers that have various blockages that we programmed in in order to learn a lesson uh, that is commensurate with the energy center. So we go through certain behaviors and thoughts and attempt to remove the blockages so the intelligent energy or the beingness of the creator can flow through us more easily and we can raise the level of our, well, shall we call it understanding <laughs> or our grasp of our spiritual nature higher and higher in the energy centers. So this is the way that we all progress and we hope 
that by what we do in an informed way, that we will be able to become eventually one with the Creator once again. Because that is our great goal. But I think there's an irony involved here, too. Because if you look at the basic reason for the creation, it's for the Creator to find or discover more ways of knowing itself. More ways, more intense ways, more variety. And if you look at what Austin said about know yourself, accept yourself, and become the creator, well, if you have difficulty knowing yourself, that it doesn't come easily, that you got to work at it, you got to do a lot of different things, and some of them are successful and some are failures, it's trial and error, and then accepting yourself, that's probably even more difficult. So there's a lot of things that can cause us to stumble along the way, seemingly stumble along the way. But if you look at it in the overall sense of giving the Creator more ways of knowing itself, we're providing the Creator a lot more experience in our failures than our successes because we usually have more failures in order to get to success. You know, we don't succeed right away. It's uh, We live in a veil of forgetting, and it takes a lot of work to uh, try to remove some of that veil by the, the way we perceive ourselves and the way we perceive the purpose of our lives and how we pursue that purpose. So if you take this even further, <laughs> um, if you look at negatively oriented entities, they have a lot of different types of experiences that are quite intense and uh, a great variety. Plus, when they get to sixth density, mid-sixth density, they have to switch their polarity and become positive. So they're on both sides. I think they might provide the most experience for the creator to know itself. So in summary, I would suggest to every sincere seeker of truth, don't judge yourself on how well or poorly you're doing, because no matter what you do, you're aiding the creator in knowing itself and, and moving yourself further along the evolutionary path. Ah, oh, that ruined my next question i was gonna say should the seeker judge themselves <laughs> uh, <laughs> on the evolutionary path it's clearly no uh well said i so regarding the irony uh you were speaking to that was um really intriguing are you saying that <clears throat> doing is kind of a What's the word I'm looking for? Paradoxical. Par yes, thank you. I was contradictory is the word I was coming up with. Paradoxical in that um, to do, to, to be so outwardly focused on this separate identity that is constantly seeking and searching and yearning and attempting to learn is seemingly a movement away from being. But at the same time, there's this underlying design of the universe that created these conditions that would cause this doing that ultimately yields this uh, fruit for the creator and for the self. Right. If you look at the entities that existed before the veil they were imbued with a great deal more being than are we after the veil because they knew right away and with no doubt whatsoever they were the creator. Everyone was the creator. But it took them forever to get through third density, which is our goal as third density beings. However, they 
provided a lot of experience, I'm sure, by repeating third density time and time again. So, you know, the, I think all of creation and everything that happens in it is a paradox. Carl always said, when you run into paradox, you know you're in some real good spiritual meat, because that seems to be the nature of the creation. Ra, at the sixth density level, says, well, we have the paradoxes resolved. You know, we're not going to tell you the secrets, but uh, eventually you're going to get there. And they give us hints and clues as to how we can do that here. So, yeah, I, I, I think that is the reason why Ross says there are no mistakes. Everything helps the creator to know itself. Everything helps us to know ourselves as unique and as the creator as well. That's right. <clears throat> um, I concur with everything you've said. And, but it's also why I disagree with the opening sentence in the quoted quote from Quo that says, you are here as awakened beings to be, not to do. Um, I don't know. I uh, could refine that to say that I think that is reflected a little bit more accurately about the purpose of what we're here to do and how being, of course, is the goal and the primary service and the, um, as I said earlier, the abode of identity, but we are here to do also. Um, I think that it's a statement that isn't necessarily intended to reveal this grand truth about what we're doing here, but instead make us think about what we're doing and make us think about our actions and um, how we relate to ourselves. Like I was saying, I think the statement you are here to be not to do um, is asking us to question what makes us act and to help us understand ourselves to then relate to that core vibration more than the other distortions that are informing our actions. Indeed. That makes good sense. Regarding being as true identity, I've got a few more nuggets to insert here. Um, Ra says that the violet ray beingness is far more indicative of true self. And in talking about the green ray transfer that happens in sexual energy transfer and the joy that is the byproduct of that, which Ra calls the spiritual or metaphysical nature, which exists in intelligent energy. That's a joy that they're talking about. They say of this, that this is a great aid to comprehension of a truer nature of beingness. And they talk about the intuition as a function, which is more in contact or in tune with the total beingness complex and uh, elsewhere they talk about the violet ray beingness as well so Austin began his previous reply by talking about the there's there's the level of the cosmic being the Ra even says the phrase the beingness of the creator once and uh and that is our true identity, of course, our, our deepest beingness. But beings occupy a whole hierarchy of levels of beings and orders of beings and magnitudes of beings. And I'm sure that's very true within the mind-body-spirit complex itself. And I think it is the violet ray itself that um, is the measure, the meter, the readout <laughs> where our beingness all 
is comes together and Ra says now to shift back over to doing and to service Ra says that it is the blue ray where we begin first to communicate our beingness in fact they say The Blu-ray seats the learning teachings of the spirit in each density within the mind-body complex, animating the whole, communicating to others this entirety of beingness. So that's moving more into the direction that Jim and Austin are describing of deep in contact with the truer self yields... Um, a service, a doing, an activity that is not so much doing, but is being manifesting itself, if that's accurate to say. Ra even describes this way that being is manifested as, manifested or translated even, I guess you could say, as service. Um, they talk about the relationship between the parent and the child, and they say, the appropriate teach-learning device of parent to child is the open-hearted beingness of the parent and the total acceptance of the beingness of the child. And they describe study of being and the relationship between being and working. And they say, they're talking about doing the work of the incarnation Uh, they're talking about the magical, the banishing ritual that um, of the lesser pentagram that Jim, Carla, and Don used. And I'm trying to paraphrase and I'm not going to succeed, so I'm just going to read the quote. They say, the efficacy of this ritual is only the beginning, rather, is only beginning to be, shall we say, at the lower limits of the truly magical. In doing the working, those aspiring to adepthood, Jim, Carla, and Don have done the equivalent of beginning the schoolwork many grades ahead. For the intelligent student, this is not to be discouraged. Rather, to be encouraged is the homework, the reading, the writing, the arithmetic, as you might metaphorically call the elementary steps towards study, towards the study of being. It is the being <clears throat> that informs the working, not the working that informs the being. So in those quotes, we see more of how being is a truer expression of the self and manifests and informs what one may, whatever one may be doing in the moment. Do you guys think that there's anything that precludes contact with one's own being jim what do you think ignorance <laughs> uh, not aware that it's there you know not becoming consciously aware of your spiritual journey it, it's like leaving a whole reservoir of uh, tools and uh, techniques unnoticed and just going about your daily business thinking that well let's see if i can make the insurance payment and then the house payment i'm in good shape for the month and uh, yeah all is well <laughs> Let's watch some TV. Yeah. <laughs> Austin, how about you? Um, yeah. Uh, to 
address what Jim just said really quickly. I think that most people listening to this and then us here identify as spiritual seekers and have what I would call something like the flame of spiritual seeking that really motivates them. I don't think that identification is exactly necessary for what Jim was talking about, that there might be people who don't call themselves spiritual but are um, in different terms, aware of their spiritual journey and aware of that true essence of being and then their act, activities and work comes from that. Um, but in the sense of what might preclude, uh, how did you phrase it? Exactly that. Uh, what would preclude contact with or awareness of one's own being? Um I think any sort of distortion that you would find in the lower energy centers um, would preclude that. And I think that, uh, I guess, to single something out that I think uh, is along the lines of what we're talking about, um, especially in our society, and since Kuo said that our society overemphasizes what we do versus who we are, Um, I would say social identity and attachment to social identity um, can be a big blockage and hurdle to getting to that source of uh, true beingness versus, um, you know, false doingness, I guess. (laughs) And that, um, like, say, taking Kuo's example of people asking you what you do for a living, There are probably a lot of people in our society that do something for a living that they have no passion for, but that they identify strongly with because it's maybe a prestigious thing or it's maybe um, it provides a sense of uh, financial security or um, it helps them exist in this social world that is mostly illusory and um, they're you know, passion is not awakened in what they're doing, but they identify heavily with it. And other types of social identities, you could say that um, the more tribal identities, or if you um, have a strong sort of isolationist or protectionist view of your, uh, your social circles or your tribes, that would sort of extend to inform what you do uh, and it comes from this distortion in your lower energy centers rather than the um, awakening to that core of being of who you really are. Um, so those are some big ones that I think. In, uh, in replying first to Jim, I, I concurred that essentially like that ignorance is at the root of it. As Ra says, distortion arises, and I'm paraphrasing, out of the source of all distortion is the limitation of the point of view. How verbatim am I on that one, Jim? Am I close? Really close. <laughs> really, I thought so. It's like just a couple words off maybe. Our syntax is off a little bit. Yeah. So ignorance is um, <clears throat> essentially at root of that which obscures being from our sight. And Austin, I'm so glad you said lower energy centers because um, I think that's key and a really good way to illustrate and frame and understand this being versus doing uh, because I think the doing activity that the Confederation is describing as that which uh, 
is opaque to being are those sorts of um, activities that are centered in the lower three chakras. Not that activity out of those chakras is necessarily separating. It's just that when the identity of the self is located there, is residing in the first three chakras, then the self is one who is doing, one who is valuing and measuring and finding the identity within the activities of the lower three chakras, as Austin was describing about the social identity and the tribal identity or the work identity. So in that frame of mind, when the when the entity's locus of awareness is the or, uh, is in the orange ray and the yellow ray and the red to some extent, <clears throat> then they are person A because they work at this particular job, or they are worthy because they have achieved this particular thing, or they are this person because um, they've done this thing or they're not worthy because they failed in this way or so forth. There's all these metrics of evaluation and of finding out who I am by saying what I do or what I did not do. Whereas being itself is existence is worth in and of itself. It needs to do nothing. It needs to prove nothing. It needs to gain nothing. It needs to go nowhere. Um, it can't be lost. It can only be, uh, contact with it can only be deepened. And in that beingness is, is a self which is infinitely worthy because the self, because that self is the creator itself. And a measurement of worth anyways is illusory constructs just as are those energies that we're describing in the lower three chakras are these constructs that we impose over our beings, the personality shell, as the Confederation describes it, so much of which um, just vanishes when we transition through the gateway of death. And we're left with a pure distillation of who we actually are. But most of us here on Earth are attached to and identified with these constructs that obscure the being from us. So in following the model of the chakras, what is the next ray that begins to transcend those chakras but the heart? And the heart must be, of course, the central portal to beingness itself. Simple love, acceptance, kindness, surrender and so forth but the chakras as with so much just present this great framework on which to situate and hinge any sort of metaphysical discussion um i had some further thoughts so how about being as service i know this has been kind of touched upon in, in different threads that we've been weaving together here but what can you guys speak more directly to what being as service mean or how how one serves from the platform or the standpoint or the consciousness of being Austin how about you um you just do it so <laughs> <laughs> same of you that's a I mean that's a difficult question to address because it's sort of the um it just is another statement on top of what we've already said I really think that just the activity is then a activity of service 
is then just naturally manifested um, through your beingness. You might find that prior to your awakening to your beingness, you may have been serving or attempting to serve in certain ways that um, wasn't congruent with the core of who you are. And then after awakening to that, you realize that there is a deeper service that you could perform. And I think it's unique to every individual. But it is, uh, in my view, something that I think would seem to come naturally, something that um, you have found deep within yourself. It's not something that uh, you necessarily have to um, feign or pretend to be enthusiastic about. Like, I think... Especially um, for me, uh, it some types of service, um, I feel compelled to do them. I feel compelled and I feel guilty when I don't do them um, because it doesn't uh, light the flame inside of me. And then some types of things that might not be considered service to everybody, but I think in the Confederation's definition of um expressing the love of the creator and is, it is truly known to the self. It is in a service in a sense, and it does sort of um, light that passion inside of me. So I think that might be the best way of understanding service in the context of beingness is it is something that um, it, you are, um, you feel is right. Uh, once you come to know yourself you can feel that vibration, that core vibration that um, Kuo was talking about and just know the harmonious activities uh, that go along with it, that when you're doing them, it strikes a, um, a harmonious chord rather than a dissonant chord. I like that you said that it can't be feigned. I mean, certainly in this illusion, intentions can be cloaked and deception is readily available. But um, beingness at that level is not something that's manufactured because right. it, it's deeper than um, <clears throat> than any – what's the word I'm looking for? Any sort of personal use of the will that could manufacture or construct – the assemblance of being it arises from within and informs as Ra says the being informs the working not the working the being and, and i think like um and jim i want to know your thoughts but i want to insert one more uh i think that that uh where one feels most alive uh like you said the, the when one feels lit with that flame is a good gauge for where one is moving into their being, I would think. Um, though at the same time, and I know you've spoken to this too, that a sacrifice is part of the positive path. So just because something is uncomfortable or discomfortable or or you don't really want to do it, you know, um, it doesn't mean that it's like inimical to being or antagonistic to being or it's just the self not being the self, you know. That said, uh, just my thought. Jim, what do you think about serving from the level of being? Well, I think it becomes more organic and more natural. We get into the flow of things if we can clear our energy centers enough that the uh, being or the intelligent energy of the creator can flow through, that we um, are really giving over our, <laughs> our life to 
love and light. Uh, Joel Goldsmith says there's a concept called divine grace, that when you have invited the creator to come into your life enough, the beingness, in other words, that there is this divine grace that tends to go out before you and to make the crooked places straight. And you just feel in the flow that uh, what needs to be done gets done because it's just a part of you now. You don't have to wonder or do the pros and cons. Well, should I do this? Should I do that? You just do what is in front of you because it's in front of you. Beautifully said. I think as with so many core spiritual concepts, as you ascend the mountain, they all start to converge and become more and more like each other. And I think that's true with being and faith as well. They become very congruent and um, interlinked and part of each other until they merge into one single point. About service from being, <clears throat> this is one of the core messages of the Confederation that our most powerful and profound service is not the service of doing anything in particular in the world, though that is of consequence and that matters too. But on a deeper level, on a more fundamental and primary level, our greatest service is of being. And that is uh, an effortless radiation from us. It's whether you call it our violet ray nature or not, it's uh, a reflection of our own contact our own conscious contact with the creator and that energy, that beingness radiates outward from us before we lift a finger, before we say a word, before we do anything in particular in this world. It's constantly emitting from us. We can't in a way we can't take credit for it. Um, and specifically, Ross says it is impossible to help another being directly it is only possible to make catalyst available in whatever form. The most important being the radiation of realization of oneness with the creator from the self. Less important being information such as we share with you. I love that. And uh, that theme is repeated throughout the um, throughout Ra's words, throughout the Confederation, and r really throughout any um, good mystical teaching. So I have a quote that uh, I'll wrap it up with, also from Rod. Um, and of course, if you guys have anything you'd like to say after that, by all means. But at this point, did you want to say anything more knowing that we're about to wrap up? I've got a story that I'll share oh, after you read the quote. Okay. Jim, am I ready to go? Ready to go. Got the clearance. All right. <clears throat> So, um, Ra's talking about how channeling context can become detuned by an emphasis on seeking specific information versus timeless philosophy and spiritual principles. And then Ross says, this is why we iterate quite often when asked for specific information that it pales to insignificance, just as the grass withers and dies while the love and the light of the one infinite creator redounds to the very infinite realms of creation forever and ever, creating and creating itself in perpetuity. 
Why then be concerned with the grass that blooms, withers, and dies in its season, only to grow once again due to the infinite love and light of the one Creator? This is the message we bring. Each entity is only superficially that which blooms and dies. In the deeper sense, there is no end to beingness. And the final words I'd like to tack on to beingness include presence, essence, and I am. How about your story, Austin? Um, so just to finish this off, and it's an example of what I think is a simple um, manifestation of beingness and how it can have a profound effect on people around you. And it is from a uh, music festival that I recently went to and um, I was working at the music festival and in this work uh, it required me to go back and forth through um, a particular entrance uh, many times throughout the day and as with all entrances at any sort of event music festivals there were like security guards that um, you know, would check wristbands and then make sure that you weren't have, carrying anything that you weren't supposed to be carrying. And I was also camping very close to this entrance, too. And through the entire music festival for this entire um, four days, uh, it was the same woman that was there from sunup to sundown and beyond that, before sunup to beyond sundown. And um, she never didn't have a smile on her face. She uh, was so... Um, jovial and kind and uh, no matter who passed by she had some kind words to say and despite the fact that I was passing through maybe um, 25 to 50 times a day she always had something nice to say to me and she would always give me a huge smile and words of encouragement because by the end it got really difficult and um, we were talking to her about this and just how much we enjoyed her. And somebody asked her why she does it and um, how she does it. And she said, I just, I can't help it. It's just who I am. (laughs) And um, it was this amazing example. If she's doing something that I think 99.99% of the world would consider one of the most boring jobs in the world, which is sitting there and checking wristbands. And for most people who have experienced an event like that, most people who have that job seem to be rather surly and um for me at least they give a really sour beginning to whenever i enter an event and um she just everybody that passed by no matter what they were like before they went through the gates they came through with a huge smile on their face and i feel like it really rippled throughout the entire event where this one woman sort of infected everybody with her beingness and um, created this incredibly loving weekend just through, uh, like she said, she couldn't help it. It's just who she was. Okay, that was an awesome story, and it makes me want to say something. <laughs> uh, if if in post you want the this to end right there, just cut this out <laughs> no, or splice me in elsewhere. <laughs> And that is a really good story and it illustrates I'm drawing connections to the law of one because as the quote I read earlier said, Ross said that joy is um, <clears throat> a an experience of a truer nature of beingness. And I think the more truly that we connect with being, the more that joy 
itself is part of our identity and must necessarily radiate outwards and be part of our life as it was with this person. And Ra even describes how um, in the contact with the indigo ray, when um, the veil is lifted, that service to others becomes automatic. And this is, I think, an example of that, that when those lower three energy centers we are describing below stop impeding the energy and they become transparent and the personality shell itself becomes transparent, then what's inside of each of us is the sun. And instead of groping in the moonlight, as Ra describes it, of um, grasping and aversion and trying to find identity in this pale lit atmosphere outside, we discover that the sun has been within us all along and that is self-luminous it, of itself must shine, which also speaks to the nature of the way that self-work is world work because the more that we can open our hearts and love and forgive and make that allow that trans that personality to become transparent the more that we shine the more we smile for people the more that joy lightens this planetary vibration you guys have any thoughts to offer gandhi said that we must become the changes that we wish to see in the world um, just one small addition to <laughs> the story that I uh, said that I forgot. By day three, we asked her what her name was, and it was Angel. <laughs> that was the uh, uh, name that she was given as a child. As a wow. Yeah. We were like, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about destiny. Um, but I liked what you just said, Gary. The, the sun is inside you. And also point out that the radiating nature of service to others, I think that's what that is, is recognizing that sun has been inside you and you can then you know become transparent and it shines through you right and yeah and it's not an activity you do per se it's self-luminous it's shining on its own right now and then we humans become transparent to it or empty vessels for it or instruments for it yeah Ra and the confederation use that word a lot i think transparent and yeah. becoming transparent. It's a beautiful thing, it is. And that was a beautiful quote from Gandhi as well. <clears throat> well, Jim, you want to bring us home? All right. Well, folks, it has been such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you again. We know we've been kind of uh, slacking here. <laughs> we've had so much work to do in the office. It's been beautiful work. We've been so grateful to do the work and we want now to turn more attention back to our In The Now podcast, to you, to sharing a little bit of love and light with you because we can feel your love and light out there. We know you love us. We love you. Keep on keeping on. You're on the right path. You've been listening to LL Research's bi-weekly or a tri-weekly podcast. <laughs> Sometimes <in the> monthly. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes longer. <laughs> If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast with your questions. And a special thank you to Juan for sending us that awesome question today. If you'd like to hear us ramble about a particular topic, please read the instructions on our page at llresearch.org slash podcast. Uh, we try to keep up by publishing new episodes um, on Wednesday afternoons. Have a wonderful 
indeterminate period of time, and we'll talk with you then. 